Hello, you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is Father Toby with your word for today on this uh, memorial of St. Timothy and Titus. And I want to begin today with the uh, first reading, which is taken from the uh, second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. From Paul, appointed by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus in his design to promise life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, dear child of mine, wishing you grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. Night and day I thank God, keeping my conscience clear and remembering my duty to him as my ancestors did. And I always remember you in my prayers. I remember your tears and long to see you again to complete my happiness. Then I am reminded of the sincere faith which you have. It came first to live in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I have no doubt that it is the same faith in you as well. That is why I am reminding you now to fan into a flame the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. God's gift was not a spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power and love and self-control. So you are never to be ashamed of witnessing to the Lord or ashamed of me for being his prisoner. But with me, bear the hardships for the sake of the good news, relying on the power of God who has saved us and called us to be holy. As a priest, you preach on the same readings and the same feasts many, many times. I'm already conscious of this after just three and a half years as a priest and two as a deacon even though that means that it's still not even two complete cycles of the Sunday readings that I've been through and fewer than three of the weekday readings. And one thing that always used to impress me so much when I was a student brother in Oxford and listened a lot more to other people preaching than I do now, which was lovely, I have to admit, was how the older brothers, and I think of two in particular, both who were my student masters at various points, Father John Farrell and Father David Sanders. What impressed me so much was how they were still so utterly captivated by the scriptures. You could hear it as they preached that they were delighting in the good news, as if they were hearing it afresh for the first time, always being struck by the love of God in a powerful new way. And as you listened to them, you heard the truth of those words of the psalmist. How sweet are your words to the, my taste, sweeter than honey to, the, to my mouth. You heard the truth of those powerful words of the author of the letter to the Hebrews. For the word of God is something alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And even though I have preached far fewer times than these two older brothers, one now gone to his eternal reward, I do feel the truth of those words of the letter to the Hebrews as I approach the scriptures, constantly struck by new insights. As I come to the same reading again, rarely am I stuck with the same thoughts. However, there are certain readings, but especially certain feasts, where a certain memory is indelibly, indelibly lodged in my mind and seems to dominate all my thoughts in a certain way I can't get past it. This is what this feast means to me. 
And it's true of the Feast of the Dedication of the Lateran Basilica, where an encounter with a husband and wife from the US always comes to my mind. And it's true of today's memorial of St. Timothy and St. Titus, where a walk to St. Paul's outside the walls with an American priest friend, Father Jason, sticks in my mind too. To those listeners who are not American, I do also find people from other countries memorable too. Father Jason and I walked to St. Paul's on this day four years ago because the body of St. Timothy had been brought to the Basilica for the octave of Christian unity. And I remember kneeling both before the tomb of St. Paul and the body of St. Timothy, reading St. Paul's letters to Timothy. And the letters struck me with a force in that moment with the physical presence of author and recipient that they had not done so previously. It was a very incarnational moment. But it wasn't long after that beautiful moment of prayer, only a few months later in fact, that we were all very, very far removed from such an incarnational way of existing. Lockdowns had been imposed all around the world and churches were closed. Now people were immensely resourceful in setting up new ways of communicating with one another and new ways of praying with one another. This radio had only just come into being a few months before and became a lifeline to many people. And a lot of people, in fact, found themselves spending more time in prayer and more time listening to preaching and watching Mass and other services than they ever had before. We always knew that you could make a spiritual act of communion, but this became so much more precious to so many more people. And questions began to be asked about whether confession even had to be in person. And a Vatican clarification duly followed that it must. And I was glad of the clarification, not glad that people found it hard to get to confession, but glad that the incarnational nature of our religion had been inserted in this clarification, that person to person, in person, really does matter. And I know this radio is a lifeline for so many, and it's a privilege to be a familiar voice in the homes of so many who are alone. But I would be angry if any priest or anyone for that matter said, oh, he or she doesn't need to be visited. They do have the radio after all. It matters that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. There is this constant desire to over-spiritualize the human person but the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The desire to over-spiritualize goes back at least to Plato. It's the reason the Dominicans were founded to combat Albigensianism and the heresy that the body was bad and only the spirit good. And it's a, a sort of a, a tendency that lives on in the modern day with its philosophical roots in Descartes, I think, therefore I am. And perhaps its most recent incarnation, if you pardon the pun, is in the concept of human personhood that leads to the idea that I could be a woman in a man's body or a man in a woman's body. Leads to what Mary Harrington has described as the body being treated like meat Lego. We don't have to call phones bad or text messages bad in order to say that a conversation in person is better. But we do have to recognize that in person is better. People who are not able to get out and about and mix in person like they used to know this better than most, I think. And it's incumbent upon us to visit them and to be with them. 
But what I worry about now is not so much the idea that in-person is not better, but the idea that in-person is not enough. There is this battle for our attention going on in contemporary society, and it's largely driven by concerns to monetize your attention. And I want this radio free of adverts and therefore entirely reliant upon the generosity of listeners and benefactors. What I want uh, this radio to be is a place of resistance to such an idea. I want it to be a refusal to believe that the present time and place and the people who are here with us are somehow not enough. As a writer, Jenny O'Dell puts it, platforms such as Facebook and Instagram act like dams that capitalize on our natural interest in others and an ageless need for community, hijacking and frustrating our most innate desires and profiting from them. Solitude, observation and simple conviviality should be recognized not only as ends in themselves, but inalienable rights belonging to anyone lucky enough to be alive. It does matter on that day that I came and prayed before the tomb of St. Paul and the body of St. Timothy. It matters when we gather in person in the church to celebrate the, the sacraments, and it matters that we go out from there and visit those who were not able to come in person.